Hey, my Travel Ones podcast, I'm lucky to have Sachetta Rawal. How are you today, Sachetta? I'm great, Pete. How are you? I'm having an excellent day. Very thankful uh, that get you on the on the podcast today. You're an award-winning travel writer. You, you've, you've written five children's books, uh, founder of Go Eat Give, and you're a spokesperson on sustainable travel. you got a lot going on. Yes, I keep busy. <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Huh? What is your background, and how did you start your, your travels? Well, I actually worked in investment banking before, and I always love to travel and learn about different cultures. But I felt after traveling to 30 or so countries, it was getting very repetitive, where I would stay in a hotel, eat at the restaurant, looking at the guidebooks, and not really going deeper into the culture and understanding how people live and how they eat. So I started doing something called volunteer vacations, where instead of just being a tourist, I helped out in the community during the day and then did some activities, sightseeing, eating local food, meeting people in the evenings and weekends. And that allowed me to travel more meaningfully. And I was doing this when I had my full-time corporate job. And oh. Every quarter, I would take a one-week vacation and do something like that, go to Morocco or Egypt or um, Russia. So... That's how I came to be known as the help desk for travel at work. And yep. <laughs> I started writing a blog and then magazines and then books. And here I am. I no longer work in finance, but I just eat and travel for a living. <laughs> what a terrible upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you, you enjoyed working in finance, but traveling and eating around the world is probably a little more exciting. Yeah, I would say I used to make the money that uh, sustained my lifestyle. Now I have the lifestyle that I want. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's you know a lot of the, the business travel I've talked to is kind of say the same thing. It's not that they wanted to travel, or some some did, but it's not that they wanted to travel. Or it's just whatever industry or field that they chose meant they had to travel for their work. So it is what it was. But, you know, with you, you kind of went about it almost the opposite way where you were like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing good money, but I want to travel the world. That's a great story though, that you got to convert kind of your, your passion into your career. Not many people get to do that. Yeah. And it just happened. Um, I started, like I said, when I was in a corporate job and I just was paying for these vacations, writing about them, sharing it with my own friends and co- colleagues and they are the ones who read it and would say, well, you're having such meaningful vacations. Can you help us plan a trip? And that's when I started We Give as a company where I would organize trips for other people too, which were more meaningful and did not just involve uh, being a tourist. So you still stay in four- and five-star hotels. You still eat the very best of the local cuisine. But uh, you go to restaurants that are hidden gems, maybe people's homes, or learn to cook with them, and then you also volunteer part of the time you're there. Oh, I got you. That's cool. And, and now you've been to what I see—it's over 90 countries. Which, how many countries are there in the world? Do you know? Uh, 185, I think. Oh, you're not even halfway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 amazing though. And, and your books. Um, I, uh, why did you decide to write children's books out of just instead of a, a travel book? Just, and you have a, a cool well, character, the Beto. 
Yes, so Biero is my cat, and he's the one who's traveling to different countries to learn about how kids live there. Now, as I have been writing for CNN and Travel and Leisure and a lot of outlets that do cater to adult readers who are um, looking for travel expertise, I did not find anything that caters to young readers. Um, Kids cannot go to the library or bookstores and find a lot of books about travel, especially about how kids are living in other countries. So these are actual true stories that I I met these kids places I went to, I stayed with them, and photographs I took during my travels, but told through the eyes of my traveling cat. So he's curious, he's interested in finding out how other kids are living and sharing their stories about diversity, culture, languages, and then making kids a little bit more open-minded towards our world. Yeah, and I was going to say, you know, it might be even more helpful as a family, you know, my my children are, are adults now, but it would have been cool to have a book like that to show them, hey, you know, if we're going to go visit, you know, Indonesia, which my daughter went to, uh, it would be cool to show, you know, a smaller child that book so they can kind of read up about it before we get there so they get more excited instead of, uh, instead of dreading the, you know, 12-hour airplane. Yeah, they do. And they also get excited about trying different foods and seeing the wildlife, even dressing up in the local culture. They learn a few words before getting there. And even for business travelers, if you've been to that country and you want to bring back something that is uh, yeah. reminds the kids of your trip and have a discussion around it, like I have a book on Japan and so many business travelers use that. When they come back from the trip, they open up Biaro Goes to Japan, and then they talked about, oh, I went there, and this is what I did there. So it's more of a starting a conversation with your kids, too. Yeah, that, well, that's a good point, too. Yeah, you know, that's kind of how why I started taking photography, picking up photography is because I would go out and travel to all the different states and all that for my work, and I'd come home, my daughter would be like, hey, so what does South Dakota look like? That's amazing. And it was like, um... Okay, so then I started taking pictures. So I'd come home and show them. It's kind of the same <laughs> same process, I guess, there. Yeah, uh, you have to share the world through, their, through your eyes because they're too young to realize anything that's beyond their neighborhood. Well, uh, for business travel, like I, I financially and, and just for work could not take my daughters on the trips. I've taken them on local trips, but... Yeah, you know, I, I couldn't necessarily take them to to my my North Dakota trips or my Colorado trips. So I'm taking pictures and bringing home, saying, "Hey, here's Louisville. Here's, you know, here's Ohio. Here's West Virginia. Here's some different things I saw." Mm-hmm. Same same principle. That's, yeah, it's very cool. You know, with your your go eat give, I, I think that's to me that's that's kind of where everyone's giving back. So can you explain how that all works and how you got that started? Yeah, so Go Eat Give is a nonprofit organization that I started in 2011, and the mission is to raise cultural and diversity awareness through travel and food. So whether you're going to a country for a day or a week or a month, there are lots of opportunities to give back. And it's not just going online and making a donation, which you can absolutely do that, but taking a half a day and visiting a school that we partner with or an orphanage or an elderly daycare center, packing for a purpose. So we give you a list of donations that you can take with you if you are going to a certain destination. And these are actually nonprofits that I work with around the world. So they tell me exactly what they need, and that's what we deliver. 
So we work directly with their executive directors. It's not like the money is filtering through a different chain of command. And you go there, you can make a donation, you can bring your kids and have them pack up toys that they don't need anymore or books that they don't need anymore and give it out to other kids there. And it builds that relationship, also shows a lot of humbleness and you're not just being a tourist, you're actually finding out how they are living. You know, kids in Bali don't have all these gadgets and toys that your kids may have. And once they see, oh, these kids actually play outside with soccer balls, they they become a little more humble and they come back and start to appreciate all the things they have too. You know, it's interesting. Um, My my ex-wife is Filipino. And my, so my kids are mestiza and they're mixed. And we would send back boxes of goods back to the Philippine mm-hmm. islands. So when, when mm-hmm. the kids would get older, they would fill up bollock buying boxes and we'd ship them back. And then we'd see videos later of the, of the kids and just, you know, in, within the villages whatever, and they're wearing or playing with the toys that we wanted to give away, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, it's that kind of same principle, I guess, huh? with the goey gift. Yeah, and that is just the smallest way you can make an impact. Obviously, if you have more time, you can actually go there and be more hands-on. We have done everything from teaching workshops in computers, in accounting, starting your own businesses, to um, building um, projects, building schools, libraries inside, um, working on a farm. So it just depends what your interest is, and what your skill set is. Um, we have everybody from doctors and nurses and teachers who want to contribute, maybe during the summertime, they wanting to use their skills, but not just um, travel all the time, not just be a tourist all the time. Yeah. Is that something, if, if I was just, if I had an extra day or if I could book an extra day on a, on a business trip, is that, is that something you, it would be worthwhile to do or is, it not, is that not enough time? That is actually fine uh, if you're in a big city like Mexico City or somebody where we have a project, uh, we can definitely put you in touch. Uh, for example, in Mexico City, we work with kids who are suffering from cancer, and it's like a make-a-wish kind of program. So they would send us a, a email with uh, what this kid is wanting. Maybe it's a doll or a soccer ball or something like that. And you would meet up with that kid, talk to the parents, and, uh, yeah, that's just a couple of uh, hours of your yeah. time. That's awesome. How, how did you – what made you want to get involved, or was this something that just evolved as you kept traveling? Or was this something you uh, set back? I mean, that's incredible. Well, I think it kind of evolved because I had been on so many other volunteer vacations with through other organizations. I felt that as a professional, I could afford to stay in nice hotels I didn't want to do like a backpacking tour or a gap year. Um, Most of the volunteer vacations that I find are oriented towards younger people where you stay in bunk beds or hostels or in people's homes. And I did not really want to do that. I I thought, you know, I make enough money. I want to have my own room, nice place. But I also want to go out in the community. I also want to meet the local people. So this was more of my way of creating a happy medium 
where you want to take a short vacation, like a week or two weeks, and you have the means to do that, but you also don't want to be just a student backpacker. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's cool. What, with as much traveling as you're doing, how, how do you balance when you, you know, I mean, you're gone so much. How do you balance with your friends and family and loved ones and all that? That's a really good point. I do miss out on a lot of birthdays and occasions. Yeah. <laughs> but whenever I am back home, I'm constantly spending time with family and friends. So, like, last five days I was home, I had lunch with my mom twice. Uh, we had uh, a date night with my husband and then a uh, visit with some friends. So it's just maximizing my time when I'm home. Um, every day I try to do something with my family and friends because I'm on the road so much. Yeah, I, I do the same thing. You know, if I'm gone for a week, I, my wife and I, we make sure we do a date night at least once a week when I'm home. Yeah. With that, I mean, we have to go, okay, what's date night? Even if it's just something local. It doesn't have to be a big production. It's just we got to make sure we make time for ourselves. Exactly. It could be just the neighborhood sushi restaurant. Yeah, exactly. And around here in, in Los Angeles, we have several to choose from. So I know you guys have some really good dining out there. It's it's that's one thing. Like we find a couple of good restaurants, and I wonder if it's like that with your travel. Like when you go back to for us, we're always saying, "Hey, we've got to go to a different, you know, mark our neighborhood." Because you know we find our our favorites, and then we just go there over and over again. And then you drive by and you go, oh, we should try that sometime. Is that like when you're traveling? Sometimes, yes. Um, if I'm in that country for just a few days, I feel like I have to hit all my favorite spots before yeah. I go try any new ones. That could be a hit or miss, um, especially my hometown in India. I go back there once a year, and I have a list of things that I want to eat. <laughs> yeah. So I would go down the list. You know, it's like reliving my childhood and I have to go get the best chana bhaturas and samosa, jalebi. So once I'm exhausted that list, I'm open to trying new things. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I think that's probably where, where maybe a longer trip comes in handy. Right. What, what do you have? What, what what trips do you have coming up? So or, I'm leaving for Belgium tonight. Um, oh, so that's a food um, and drink tour for a week. Um, then I have an adventure filled trip to New Zealand over Thanksgiving break. Um, and then um, more adventure, actually, in Antarctica later this year. Oh, Antarctica would be cool. Yeah, I think that's one of the yeah. places that, that a lot of people don't think about. You know, they, they want to see Europe. They want to see the, the Japan and all that. But I think Antarctica would be a cool trip. Yeah, I think uh, people feel that that's my even for me, it's my seventh continent, so yeah. it's not the easiest place to get to, and you have to commit to a little bit of a longer time. Um, it is expensive, so people don't think about it right away, but if you um, get there to Ushuaia, Argentina, and um, look for some last-minute cruises, you can actually get it for more than 50% off. And do you offer um, on any of your websites or where are you now sharing your information, I guess, is the best way? You said you used to do the, the blogs and, and, and for your your company yeah, and your friends. So, 
so the blogs still exist, and there are over a thousand articles about different countries and places where you can go volunteer, um, even where you can stay sustainably. Um, so I only cover luxury hotels, um, eco-friendly resorts um, around the world, and even restaurants that uh, impact the local community. And that blog is goeatgive.com, uh, which has the blog information as the as travel. Um, and I do what most of them are customized tours where if you are interested in going, say, with your family on a sustainable vacation anywhere in the world, I have been and I have contacts and we organize it for you. That's very awesome, too. And I'll make sure I'll, I'll put the links on, on my website so anybody that's listening, they'll hopefully just be able to hit a, a button and go right to it. So make, awesome. Make as, yeah, we have a possible. We have a family of eight who wanted to spend their Thanksgiving more meaningfully, so they are going to China, and they will be helping out in a panda sanctuary. Oh, wow. So when, when you're talking sustainable travel, what, what does that mean to you, and how, how, do, how do other travelers adhere to it or, or help out? So sustainability can be measured in a lot of different ways. And most yeah. people look at it from an environmental impact or a social um, impact. Um, I think anything that uh, is helping keep the money back in the same community is um, helping in some sort of um, eco-friendliness as well as an economic empowerment. That, that to me, is sustainability. Um, I try to avoid a lot of chain hotels if unless they're owned by a local person. I look for where the employees come from, um, how much are they retaining, are the hotels even investing their profits into the local community and how they're supporting it. Um, same thing with the restaurants, any locally owned restaurants. Um, I always prefer them. Um, if they're using local ingredients, supporting local farms, then, of course, it's uh, a little bit more positive on them as well. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like, you know, that's what, you know, I guess the, the uh, shopping local or, you know, shop at your, your local stores, even here in the U.S., that's kind of the same mentality then. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, most most places will tell you if it's a local product, if it's sustainable, eco-friendly, uh, but a lot of times they won't. They just uh, feel that that's how they live. You know, they, they haven't started looking at the broader market from a marketing standpoint of, oh, we actually have a hotel in a village and this is sustainable. I mean, that's that's a new concept to them. That's a way of life. How do you, if, if I was a traveler and I'm, I'm going to New Zealand, how would it? Is there a, a website or are there earmarks to look at people at companies? Or are you just saying stay away from the chains and, and find how do you find yeah, that? Yeah, so so yeah, definitely stay away from the chains. It's it's there's no one website to look at. I okay. look at uh, every property individually. I also lo- look for local tour operators. So my uh, trip to New Zealand is going to be with a very hyper local. Um, tour operator, which is owned by one lady and her team. So I look for who owns the company, why are they running this, what is their mission, and then go from there. 
you know, use tour operators. I, I think, can't stress that enough because yeah. everybody feels like they just need to go to TripAdvisor or go online and book a hotel. But in, in this day and age, I feel like there's still some value to talking to locals who live there and operate just specialize in that country uh, because they know all the hidden gems and they know people. So when I was in Romania, I was working with a local lady. It was just her and her husband who run this travel agency. And she took me to all the different spots outside of Bucharest. Bucharest is a big city. You know, people go there for work. But she took me to Transylvania and Maramuresh, and we stayed at this uh, nice uh, B&B. And she knew everybody there. So I felt like I was invited into this town where everybody's coming to say hello. They're bringing me cherries and flowers and they're talking and we are having dinner together. And I just didn't feel like I was uh, being um, having a transactional value. That's I think that's key. Even like when you travel in the States, it's kind of the same way, in my opinion. You know, I, I always try to. I, I did that like when I go up to the Dakotas or even Louisiana, I didn't eat mm-hmm. at the big chains. I just stopped at this mom and pop restaurant and they treated me literally like I was part of their family. They brought mm-hmm. out samples of every dish because I'd never eaten Cajun food before. Mm-hmm. So they literally brought me out things from every dish. And by the, I was, by the time I was done, I was like, oh, my God, I'm full. But I, I can't be rude and not order a meal. So, <laughs> you know, because like, they just – that fed me. And I think a lot of it's just being a nice person too. Like, you know, being open-minded when you go out to, to go out to new places. Right. I think that really helps with as much traveling as you're doing. I'm, I'm really curious about this because you're, you're doing, you're doing long airplane trips. How do you fill up that time? Are you listening to music? Are you, I would say a little bit of everything. Okay. Um, I, I do, this will be my third long flight to Asia, Australia, New Zealand side um, in the last few months. And those flights are about 20 plus hours. You watch a couple of movies, you sleep a little, listen to music, do some work, and you still have eight more hours to go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so well, I, I just try to sleep as much as I can. And if I can get into business class, get a bed, that is amazing. If not, I carry a neck pillow and a blanket and a sleep mask, and I try to doze off. Um, I think that helps me prepare for getting ready and up up and going when I get there and to fight that jet lag and all that. But other than that, I don't drink alcohol on the plane. I try to eat very little because you're just sitting there and drink lots of water. Um, And uh, I do a little bit of work, but I don't try to – fill up my time just looking at screens, you know, rather than shut my eyes and relax. Yeah. Well, I think that's key too. You know, that's when you're, if, if you're listening to music, what do you listen to? Do you have your, your, do you have favorite songs that you listen to when you travel or is it just on, on random search? I have a travel playlist of songs that help me go to sleep. And I have another playlist of songs that help me stay awake <laughs> and fight all the noise at the airport. Um, so, yeah, I just use Apple Music, and I've created some playlists um, I have subscription to. And um, I yeah. also use the app called Calm, 
um, they have a lot of music and stories um, that you can uh, listen to without having to move around different podcasts and uh, music stations. What, what's it called again? Calm, C-A-L-M. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, because I, I, that's one of the things I get. Uh, I, I do a lot of driving for my work. And, you know, so putting in a seven-hour or eight-hour day of driving, I listen to a lot of a lot of uh, my, my satellite radio, which is my, for me is a life, you know, a lifesaver. Um, not having to find the next station and, and different, you know, knowing all the different radio stations. I, I used to know all the radio stations around the state of California so, because when I'd travel to Sacramento or <laughs> San Francisco, I'd have to find, you know, all the different types of stations and reprogram my, my, my car. It was terrible. <laughs> and, and now I have the satellite radio. So like, it'd be like traveling, you know. I remember um, just being on an airplane back, you know, 20 years ago. There, there were no iPhones. There was no play, you know, iPods and all that. So you just Yeah, no podcast. Yeah, you just sat there and read the magazines and read books and and then tried to fill up the rest of your time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I love that the uh, – the technological advances that we've had in traveling. I Definitely. It's made it easier and faster, and uh, more people are traveling than any other time in history now. Well, even like, like I know a lot, I'm, an, I'm, I'm older, I'm in my 50s, but a lot, a, lot of, a lot of my contemporaries complain about social media, but I, I think social media is whatever you use it to be. So I use it to, to see what it's like to, to you know, I live vicariously through other people. If I can't get to Romania, I'll, I'll go on your on your site and, and check it out, or all the other people that are traveling. And I love seeing all the photos, and not just the travel photos, but the actual what it's like to live in Hungary or some of the different countries. It's awesome. Absolutely, and to to your point, I use social media to also connect with people where I don't know anyone. So yeah. when when I'm going to a certain country, I posted on social media, who do I know who lives in New Zealand? And then my friends may connect me to a friend of theirs or maybe second or third degree of separation mm-hmm. and introduce me to someone new and I will go visit them at their home. Maybe they'll cook a dinner for me or we'll meet, meet outside, have uh, lunch at their favorite neighborhood restaurant. And that way we connect, learn about how they live. They learn about me. And it's a great way to just meet locals and uh, eat local food and also make new friends. And that's exactly, I mean, that is exactly right. Like my my, my wife and I are planning a trip to uh, Japan next year. Mm-hmm. And we, we've been roller skating. So we've reached out to roller skaters that are in Tokyo and, and Kyoto and some of the areas to see, you know, should we bring them or should we rent them? And now we're, now we have communications. Now we're making plans to meet with people That's all amazing. through social media. Yeah. Yeah. And Japanese people are so friendly They're Even if they don't speak your language, they will still go out of their way to make you feel um, that you're at home and help you. We've been, it, the other part of social media, I don't know if it's like it's social media is, you know, YouTube. There are so many videos now, like, what to, what to expect when you visit Tokyo or Kyoto or you can actually, and then these people are talking to you like either they're tourists or they're, they're people that live there and speak English. And they're like, mm-hmm. you know, be, be respectful. Don't do, don't litter. There's no trash cans. You know, they're telling you all the things 
versus just showing up and trying to figure it out on, on the fly. Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing where technology has helped us now. Even yeah. just reading articles uh, about Japanese etiquette, you know, nobody would have known this 20 years ago unless once you got there, you had a coworker or a friend telling you that you have to take off your shoes before you enter the building or the proper way to hold your chopsticks or yeah. bathe in an onsen. <laughs> now everything you can find out before you get there. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least it. And, and from what from what we've read so far and seen on YouTube is if you put in the little bit of extra effort to learn their culture, it's paid back in dividends and 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 rip rock. Being reciprocal, yeah. So they're. Don't <laughs> I, I can't stress that enough. Uh, how much I feel that people need to just maybe spend twenty minutes before they go to another country, learn three words: thank you, please, hello. And uh, just a few customs, you know, if there are taboos about how women and men interact or about how you address somebody by their name, um, just a few customs and etiquette, that goes a long way, especially if you're having business meetings. Yeah, and that's that's the other part of uh, everyone can go and visit, but when you're on business trips, and that's what I was thinking with, you know, if you have a 12-hour or 20-hour flight, if you if you downloaded, you know, some of the, the, the key phrases or some words, you know, and, and learn some on the way, it's got to be worthwhile. Absolutely. So I just try to open a bunch of browsers before I get on the flight. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> that gives me enough stuff to read about the country and some words. I also try to look up the names of the dishes. So when I arrive there and I have to order something, I'm not like, oh, so what is this? Can you explain it? You know, I hope at least have some context of what I want to eat. Um, and that way, is, you know, you can maximize your time on the flight and also be prepared for what to expect. Yeah, and for me, like I'll, I'll do just like a screenshot, a screenshot of a, a map or different restaurants or, or, or that type of thing. So I can save it in my photo so I don't have to be on Wi-Fi or anything, and I can go back and start learning things and remembering. So that's that's just me. That's great. Little tips that we're all trying to provide out there. What's the other than the the website, the Go Eat Go? Uh, what's the best way for people to to reach out to you? So I have my personal website, which is suchetaravel.com. And that's where I take any questions um, regarding my travels. I also post links to articles that I've uh, written for other publications um, and a YouTube channel where I post tips on traveling meaningfully or top destinations for the year or some places that um, I stand out for me. Um, that has linked to my books and the nonprofit as well. So I think that's the catch-all for everybody is suchetaravel.com. Sounds great. I'll make sure to include that as well. Um, Thank you so much for your time. I'm sure you're getting ready for your next trip and all that. So have a safe trip. I cannot wait to see, uh, to follow you and see some of your travels, especially Antarctica. I'm just super curious about that. Thank you, Pete. It was lovely being on your show and talking to you. Yeah. Um, hopefully, uh, if you ever come to Los Angeles, we'll, we'll, we'll get some lunch. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That sounds good, and uh, have a great trip. Shada. Thank you.
Thank you. Have a great okay. week. You Bye. Too. Bye-bye.